theextraordinarychurch.ca podcast, where ordinary people experience extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. You are about to hear a message that will encourage you to become and experience all that Jesus Christ has for you. Are you ready? Open up your Bibles because something extraordinary is about to happen. I'm going to preach this thought this afternoon. It's really simple. Dear future me. I'm going to preach that thought. Dear future me. And I'm going to time myself. All right. Yesterday, I, uh, late last night, as a matter of fact, I, I found this website. I came across this website, and it, uh, I thought to myself, this is so interesting. When you are kind of scouring uh, the Internet uh, for things that would complement what God has laid on my heart, I thought this was interesting. I thought about two songs. James Fortune, who is a uh, gospel singer, he sings, and he wrote a song, Dear Future Me. Uh, and, and that song was the inspiration for the title of the sermon uh, that I'm about to preach to you. Then there's a group called Mercy Me. They sing contemporary Christian music, both great artists in their own right. Uh, and they said they have a song titled Dear Younger Me. And so I Googled a few things and I came across a website titled Future Me. FutureMe.org. On this website, it was developed by a Yale graduate student, and what you can do is people can write a letter to their future selves and have it delivered up to 30 years in the future. Some of these letters are actually public on the website, and I want to share some of those with you. In the year 2009, on the 25th of April, some of you like 2009, that's so long ago. Uh, man, I remember, never mind, I won't get sidetracked. A guy named Greg will get an email from his past self. Uh, it will remind him that he is his own best friend and worst enemy. It will tell him in case he forgot that he once dated a woman named Michelle and that he once wished to have a, ma wished to have a major in computer science. Some write for the short term, a year or less. Like this letter, check this out. This is from yourself, so you better not delete it. Hey, girl, this is the past checking up on you. First thing I need to know, are you still with Chris? Please say no. Please tell me you got out. Are you happy? That's the real question. Even if you're still with Chris, please say no. Please say no. Please say no. Are we still fat? Are you wearing something size four or smaller now? What's up with that bachelor degree? I think that's enough harassment from a ghost. P.S. Maybe you'll learn to love me a little by the time you read this. I hope somebody does. Here's another letter written by a 14-year-old girl to herself. She wanted to read this when she turned 30. It's me, you, us, 16 years ago. Dude, how's my life? Are you a big-time lawyer or a big-time actress? What are you? I attempted skateboarding. Did it ever get good? I better have. It's weird because I'm asking you all the questions, but in the end, I decide the answers. One more. Uh, dear future me, if your life is completely messed up or if you have everything you ever dreamed of, Remember that you once sent a, de a delayed email to yourself. 
That makes you a dork, no matter what you're doing. I want you to know today that in Jesus Christ, you and I can have a secure future. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that in Christ, if you are in Christ, your future will never be brighter. Praise God. And I want to share something with you. Uh, I almost, uh, I didn't get them and I forgot to get them. Actually, I was going to get some. Uh, but I want to direct your attention to John chapter 2 and then I will tell you about the prop that I failed to bring. John chapter 2 verses 6 through 10. Now, what I'm going to read to you is uh, a recording of Jesus' first miracle. Now, there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. And we don't have champagne glasses, but I was going to bring something that you would put in that occasion, and I was going to get us to raise a glass, a toast to the future you. This is the first miracle, the first miracle of Jesus Christ. He turned water into wine, and I'm not going to spend time unpacking that, but the one thing I really want to make clear in this miracle is this. Jesus took ordinary water and turned it into something that was quite extraordinary. I want you to know that he's really good at taking ordinary things and turning them into something extraordinary. It doesn't matter how ordinary you think your life may be. I want you to know that God can do something great with your life. You might feel like you've been discarded, you've been ostracized, you've been maligned, you've been looked over. You might be the last on the list, on a list of lists that is the last. But I want you to know that that's a good place to be if you'll let God do what he wants to do in your life. Because God can take what people think is average. God can take what people think is mediocre. God can take what is ordinary and what people will label as ordinary and he can do something extraordinary. If you believe that, give him praise. And by doing this, Jesus does something so obvious to me is that he demonstrates that the future can be so much better than the present. See, his touch adds a value to everything. When Jesus is in it, when Jesus' hands are on it, you better know that it's going to put some super on your natural. You better know it's going to put some extra on your ordinary. You better know that when Jesus' hands are on it or when Jesus is in it, it will not just give you momentum. It will give you something supernatural that people will recognize is not of this world. 
But I, I, I love scripture and I love getting into the details of scripture. And I want to do that here for a moment. I know we're, we're, we're about to eat and the food, the smell is good, the inflatables. We're going to have a great time tonight. And shout out to all of our team that did a wonderful job setting up. Let's give them a round of applause. So many details go into this event, and I'm so thankful for everybody and their efforts. But when you look at Scripture, you got to look at the details. There's some things that we'll miss that are right in front of us, and I, I want to point out a few of those things to you. One, we have the number six. We are told that the, the composition of the vessels is stone, and we are told that they hold water. So we know that there's six of them. We know that the composition is stone. We also know that they are containing water, and we understand what their capacities are. They can hold anywhere from 20 to 30 gallons of water. Now, you might be wondering, at least I did, why so much detail in Jesus' first miracle? Because the creation of the cosmos, galaxies, and solar systems, and quasars, and pulsars are reduced to Scripture in five words in Scripture. He made the stars also. But here, we have six stones, six stone water pots, excuse me, each holding 20 to 30 gallons of water. And the more I pondered this, the more clear something became. Six is the number of man. We were created by God on the sixth day. Stone, stone. See, man was made from the dust of the ground. Then there's water. We, human beings, 60 to 75% of our body is comprised of water. That's why when I was growing up, they told me I had a water head. And I have a big head and a lot of water, praise God. When I would run, I played a lot of sports. They told me my head would go like this, praise God, I'd run. Praise God. My neck got a little stronger. Thank you, Jesus. I can. Uh, but the weight of these clay or stone vessels, 20 or 30 gallons of water, is anywhere from 165 to 250 pounds. The weight of a full-grown or slightly huskier or fluffier individual. Could it be that when we look at these six water pots filled with water, that we're looking at the image of mortal man? As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say that I think conclusively we are because if you take those six water pots and multiply it by their capacity, it gives you 120. That's how many people were in the upper room and received the spirit when God poured out his spirit. But just give me a moment. Jesus' first miracle was not to merely show that he could turn water into wine. It was to show that six water pots could be transformed from vessels of common use to vessels of extraordinary use. Praise God. I think, I think he wants us to know that he is really good at taking ordinary things and making them extraordinary. He's really good at taking something that people might overlook and it can have such a profound impact upon somebody's life once Jesus is done with it. So here is the analogy. Human life is constantly compared, if you read Scripture or if you're familiar with it, to vessels in Scripture. We have this treasure, Paul said, in earthen vessels. We can be a vessel of honor, a vessel fit for the master's use. We are commanded to know how to possess our vessel in sanctification and in honor. And life 
like a vessel can be broken. The psalmist said that his was a broken vessel. Like a vessel, life can either be empty or it can be full. Like a vessel, life can be whole or it can be broken. Jeremiah took a trip to the potter's house and watched the master potter work on a vessel that was marred and flawed. Our vessels can be marred, they can be flawed, they can be blemished. That's why here at Extraordinary Church when we talk about we're the perfect place for imperfect people, I don't want anybody to ever feel like they have to fake the funk. I don't want anybody to ever feel like they cannot be their authentic selves. You are going to go through life and you're going to have a tough time. We in this place are all broken. I know some of us might look really good and you might think, oh my God, I never thought you would have gone through that. Can I tell you, that's only the mercy of God. That's only the grace of God. That's only the goodness of God that we're here and we don't look like what we've been through. But God who is rich in mercy is doing something extraordinary extraordinary in our lives and we give him praise for that but perhaps this is how some of you feel today some of you feel of use but you feel blemished life has gotten the best of you you feel used and abused Jeremiah watched the potter make the vessel over and over again he saw the renewed vessel emerging from the loving hands of the potter he heard God ask, can I not do with you as the potter does with this vessel? Yes, Lord, we were born one thing, but we can be born again into something else. I want you to know that when people, I, I, I'm tripping because people, they'll look and they'll say, man, I cannot believe you're a pastor or you're this. And they knew me back in the day. I tell them I wasn't rehabilitated. I wasn't reeducated. I haven't been reformed. I have been recreated. God took something, put his spirit in me. I was born again. Old things have been passed away and behold, all things have become new. I don't look like my past and that's only the goodness and the grace of God. It was a wedding feast. It was a party, if you will. Uh, a law, and they, they were having a long, long party. If you study scripture and culture in that day, it is not uncommon at all. Today, in our culture, a wedding would go two, three, four hours tops. Four hours tops. Now, here's what's crazy. Back then, weddings would be a week long. A week long. And in this instance, you know what would happen? Here they are. They're partying, having a good time. And they ran out of wine. See, it's a wedding feast. And their problem is they ran out of wine. Nothing goes completely right in a wedding. You're going to have something go wrong. As a matter of fact, I would tell you that it is those imperfect moments that make your wedding memorable in the first place. And let me, I would just tell you, just in life, if everything goes flawlessly, you'll remember very little of it. But it's the vacation that you drove from here to Florida and you got a flat tire and then, yeah, it's, it's that accident you remember or it's that uh, vacation that you remember. It's the tsunami that overtook the cruise ship and you had to port at another place that you thought, that's the one you remember. 
It's the wedding that didn't quite go so right. Those moments, it's those moments that you remember. And uh, there was a young couple planning to be married, and the bride was nervous on the big day. So this pastor chose, hey, I want to encourage you. He gave her a verse. He gave her 1 John 4.18. He thought it would bring her comfort. 1 John 4.18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. During the wedding, he gave the best man a Bible and told him to read the scripture to the bride because it was a very appropriate verse. The best man, though, he didn't turn to 1 John 4.18. He went to the gospel of John. He read John 4.18 as opposed to 1 John 4.18. It's a little different context, a little different verse. That verse, John 4.18, was you have five husbands. And the one that you have now is not your husband. There's no such thing as a perfect wedding. Don't worry, Ryan and friend, that's not going to happen. This couple in Cana of Galilee, though, discovered this. They, they ran out of wine. And you know what? We, too, in life can find ourselves. We're living such allegedly full lives if you look on the gram, if you look on TikTok. But the reality of it is they're so very empty. In today's fast-paced world, people's lives are often filled with a plethora of activities, commitments, and responsibilities. The constant hustle can create an illusion of fullness. But beneath the surface, there's a sense of emptiness that can prevail. Despite the external busyness, the genuine connections and meaningful experiences are lacking. The pursuit of material success and virtual connections sometimes replaces the deeper human interactions, leaving a huge void in our lives. What we like to do is to attempt to strive a balance between productivity and a genuine connection. But can I tell you, we're forever reaching and we're forever striving, going from one appointment to the next, going from one assignment to the next, one classroom to the next, one degree to the next, one task after the other, one project after the other, one meal after the other, one workout after the other, one sleep after the other. And we wonder, is this? what life is all about our lives are so full yet they seem so fruitless the fuel uh, the fuel gauge on the dashboard says full but we feel like we're running on empty can anybody relate to what i'm talking about i quote reverend mark morrison reed here he said we need not fear death but life empty lives loveless lives Lives that do not build upon the gifts that each of us have been given. Lives which we never take the time to savor and appreciate. Today, just remind me that I'm dying so that I can live. Savor and love with all of my heart, end quote. It's not the future you had envisioned for yourself. Perhaps you hope things would have worked out. You hope things would have gotten better. You say things like, how did I ever get here? Was this the person I imagined myself to be? This is what happened at the party, if you'll follow my analogy. They ran out of wine. The party was coming to a stop. The wine vessels were empty, and that was not part of the plan. But what would happen next? I'll tell you, Jesus happened next. Let me help somebody here. Recognize that you're running on empty. 
The present isn't what you hoped it would have be. Hope for something better. Be confident of this one thing, that he who has begun a good work is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Believe that good things are on the way. I'm here to declare that good things are on the way if Jesus is in the middle. There's a better life that awaits you. When Jesus steps on the scene, things change for the better. When Jesus steps on the scene, healing happens. When Jesus steps on the scene, deliverance happens. When Jesus steps on the scene, hope happens. What did Jesus do? He shifted their attention. He shifted their attention from the vessels that were empty by saying, fill them with water. Forget the old what he's saying let's look at something new in other words he's saying change is coming Jesus is saying I'm not here to impress you today I'm here to impact you today and there is a change on the way for somebody in this house a change for the better regardless of your past disappointments change is coming in spite of your failures and your mishaps, good things are on the way. Forget about yesterday. Thrust open today's windows and say yes. Pack up your problems and stop worrying about them no more. Shelf your cares and your sorrows. They haven't helped you at all. And begin to obey God and watch God move in your life. Fill your life with reading his word. Fill your life with thanksgiving. Fill your life with prayer. Fill your life with praise. And get ready for that miraculous touch is on the way. I'm telling you, God is here to do something. And you won't look like your past. As a matter of fact, you'll be unrecognizable to your past. I'm talking to the future. You, you won't always be in that depression. You won't always be in that heartache. You won't always be in that place of sickness. The Holy Ghost is here calling you pulling you out letting you know there is a new day dawning there is a hope that's on the horizon there is a God who is able to heal and deliver and to restore and it requires one touch his name is Jesus somebody give him praise somebody give him worship somebody bless his name Somebody understand you're not going to always be where you are. You're not going to always be stuck in that addiction. You're not going to always be stuck in that dysfunction. There's a God who's pulling you out of your mess. Change is coming. Not only is change coming, change is here. Because he's in the house. If you know scripture and you know blind Bartimaeus, keep crying Bartimaeus because he's on the way. To the Samaritan woman, pick up that vessel and make your way to the well. He's waiting on you. To the men that are on the roof, tear off the roof. He's looking. He's waiting for you. He knows you're in need. And there's a new day dawning. You may wonder, why, why is this guy yelling? Why is he screaming at the top of his lungs? Because I'm not preaching to the old you. I'm preaching to the future you. You're not going to take that old life of lying and cheating and stealing and cursing. I'm talking to the new you. I'm not talking to the failure you've been. I'm talking to the champion within you. 
I'm talking to the hero in the making. I'm shouting to the person who wants out. I'm shouting to the person who's tired of an ordinary existence. I'm shouting to the person who's saying, I can't take average. I won't deal with average. I'm shouting to the person and reaching for the person who's had enough is enough. I can't wake up one more day like this. I know there's more and there's a God who's telling you, yeah, I'm calling you. I'm reaching out to you. Who is ready for the change? I don't know about you, but I'm ready for God to do a work in my life. Touch me, Lord, and I shall be new. Reach me, Lord. Change me. The Bible says that after the servants filled the six stone water pots with water, Jesus said, now, go give some to the governor of the feast. He's like the MC of the party. A little bit more than the MC. I'm just trying. He's like, draw it out. Empty it from vessel to vessel. Let everyone witness the remarkable change that came to this party. See, when God does a work in your life, I want you to be encouraged. It's a change that will be noticed by everybody. Come and hear me. Your life is getting better. Your future is getting brighter. And all will see it. It's the best. How do I know? Because he saved the best for last. The best wine last. Man is like a vessel. Chosen vessels. Vessels of honor. Vessels of dishonor. The potter's house. Since your life is a vessel, it is to be filled. See, a vessel doesn't stand alone. And since your life is a vessel, it may, may get jarred. Vessels are able to be put to use. But your life was meant to be filled. Your future is better than your past. Oh my God, I need you to hear me. I need you to understand that God has got good plans for you. God has been drawing you for this moment and has brought you to this climactic experience so that you can feel his grace and mercy in an up-close and personal way. He's reaching for you. He's letting you know his love is real and that you don't have to deal with what you've been dealing with because one touch, one touch from the master changes everything. Changes everything. I'll close with this and I'll have our musicians come but I want you to understand this next letter I'm reading is a letter from Pam and Pam is writing this letter to her future self I wonder what your life will look like five years from now do you wonder I wonder what my life will look like a year can I tell you if you would have asked me six years ago uh, if I would be in Mississauga, I would tell you I've never even heard whether or not that'd be in Mississauga. I, uh, now, Toronto, yes. But where will you be two years from now? What does your future look like? Can I tell you the God of all creation is doing a work in your life and has brought you to a place and you might be wondering, how is it that my past, I could look so different from my past? I'm going to tell you, the atoning work at Calvary changes everything. When he laid himself, because he's God in the flesh, when he paid the price for your sins and mine, and he put himself on that cross, 
laid himself. I'm telling you, he took care of everything. There is not one mistake. There is not one sin. There is not one heartache. There is not one thing that you've experienced either by your own hand or by the hand of somebody else that the cross of Calvary cannot obliterate. I don't have all day to tell you my story, but if I told you a snippet of my story, I'm here to tell you that you'd be like, wait a second, I don't understand. How could that be you? I'll tell you, it's only the blood of Jesus Christ. When I talk about the blood of Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. In other words, it cannot be washed away. But the blood of Christ, when he sacrificed his life, it literally can wash us clean to where we are as white as snow. God delivered me from fits of rage. He delivered me from of things that I would try to satisfy myself with and now the only I never smiled and I'm talking oh my gosh I was a raging angry kid God took all of that away in one moment I want you to hear I want us to stand praise God Thank you Jesus thank you Jesus praise God I want you to listen to this letter here it's from Pam my desire is that through the events and journeys over the past 10 months that you have achieved God's best in all of these goals as Philippians 1 6 says being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ see Christ work is a process even if the goals you set out for yourself are not completed by this time God is still working in your life little miracles are still miracles miracles are still beyond human ability praise God for what he has done is doing and will be doing finally Philippians 3 13 14 says friends don't get me wrong by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. She goes on to write, keep your eyes on the goal. As you look to finish the year and proceed to the new year, keep in mind that God is the author and finisher of our faith. He has plans that are greater than each and every one of us. It's not about us. It's all about him. Be grateful that his master plan includes you. And ultimately, you will spend eternity with him. With love, Pam of the past. When you write your letter and you write your moment, what will you be saying to you? Some of you can literally be writing right now moments in your life where you're about to say I'll no longer make decisions fueled by my emotions and my intellect not minimizing those things God gave us those things but I want to begin to make decisions predicated by the word of God 
I'm going to allow it to be the authority in my life. Some of you right now might recognize your relationships are in a tough place. And you might say, man, it seems like there's this cycle that cannot be broken. We might have a good day, might have a good week, but I inevitably understand this ominous experience is coming and we are going to be in a fit of rage toward one another. I want you to know that Jesus can change that in a moment. You might be wondering, well, how do I, how do I really start anew? Is it, is it that simple? I want you to know when he's in it, he's already done the work. All you have to do is come to him in faith and he'll begin a process in you. You know what? For some people, it is literally instantaneous. And others may take a few weeks. Can I tell you? Months, years. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. And he wants to work in you. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. If you would join me. Father, I'm thankful for your grace and your mercy that's in this place. And right now, we all understand that the choices we make are really what determines the future me. Lord, I pray that in this moment, in this season, in this hour, Lord, that you would begin to speak to us, speak to every heart, every mind. Help us to make decisions that line up in a way that honors you that pleases you because when we begin to include you everything changes we need you in this moment and we need you in this space draw us and we'll give you thanks we'll give you praise in the name of jesus here's what i'd like to do we've got a few moments thanks for listening to our podcast Join us next week for another message of hope and life in Jesus. If you like what you just heard, we hope you'll pass along our web address to all of your friends, extraordinarychurch.ca. We are a young church plant with a lot of people living an extraordinary life in Jesus. If you're looking for a way to become better connected to what God is doing, email us, info at extraordinarychurch.ca. We'd love to hear from you.